You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Okay, sounds good. Well, we've started. Uh, that was Mike, our audio guy, and uh, we're in a closet. We're well, we're in. So we're in the booth. This is a fascinating place. We're not in this. We are in the studio, the Jane Dan TV studio. We can see it right now. I'm I'm looking at it as we speak. Yeah, we're not in the seats we normally sit in to do our chat segments, which were, is where we've done the podcast previous times. We've had to get out of the radio studio. We decided to come into this very tiny studio next to the control room, where. Uh, where certain sports are actually called play-by-play, uh, uh, Olympics, um, some Major League Soccer games, I believe some curling even. Uh, they're called off a monitor in here, so the, the mics, I think, sound good. Yes, they better. sound great. Yeah. Because better. you think when the guys are calling the games that they're at the game. That's right, exactly. And so this is, this is pretty cool, and you might be saying to yourself, why are we in here, Dan? That's because Kristoff's dead. Kristoff died over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, R.I.P. Kristoff, pour one out for Stoff. A uh, couple of things happened. Um, anal bleeding. Anal bleeding. And uh, he said, do you want to know the story? We said, absolutely not. And then we thought he'd just, uh, he'd just go home, have a nap, and be all cured. But no, he no. didn't wake up. Yeah, he's, not, he's, uh, he's under the weather. And he was actually going to tough it out. And then you suggested that maybe we do the podcast in here. And he said, okay. And you know, someone's really sick. When, well, he spent all night at the hospital. When, yeah, he was actually in the hospital. Um, he watched the Raptors game from the hospital. From the hospital, which, you know, is, is pretty incredible when you think about it. Excuse Him and me. Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, stomach pains, cramps, fever symptoms, lots of, uh, lots of issues. So anyway, I think he's got the Ebola. I think he might have the Ebola, Ebola virus. So uh, pour one out for Stoff. He died. And uh, hopefully we can find someone to replace him for next week. But this week we have Jack Armstrong back on the podcast to talk about... Take two. Take two. You may, re- may remember a couple of weeks ago, he, we, we lost him. He was on a cell phone. He was driving with his wife, coming back from dinner or going to dinner. I can't remember which. And we lost him. Now we're going to call him on his landline because the good news about interviewing someone Jack's age, you know for sure they've got a landline. I've got a landline still. I still don't understand why you have a landline. Yeah, to cancel it this morning. So this, we have a glass wall here. I feel like a zoo animal. I feel like uh, the polar bear at the Toronto Zoo. Everyone just walking by looking at us. Well, you know what would be cool, Dan, is if we started doing the podcast where Speaker's Corner was. And they, gla- you know, they built us a studio right mm-hmm. there, 299 Queen Street West, at Queen and John in downtown. And we could do the podcast in there. People could walk by and wave at us. Wouldn't that be great? I guess. Uh, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. The the Christmas bloopers that they used to play at the city TV parties where you would see all the stuff that went on in the speaker's corner. I wrote about it in my book. Yes. And Moses Neimer tried to deny that it had ever happened <laughs> when everyone who's ever worked there knows and saw with their own eyes that it did happen. That they did at Christmas parties, city TV back in the day, play the outtakes of speaker's corner, people f***ing, sucking on each other peeing it's basically like what happens on the on the sports then <laughs> every single night people are sucking on each other now just to explain um speaker's corner because um as required learning in canada this podcast is played for many classes from grades one to eight uh that 
sucking. So Speaker's Corner was uh, a little booth that they had set up in downtown Toronto at the uh, the city TV headquarters where you'd put a loony in. That's right. And then you could just give your rant on anything. I think you got a minute. And ever, that's Bare Naked Ladies, I believe, made their debut there. They actually made a show out of it. They yeah. take the clips, you know, various clips, edit them, the most interesting ones together, and they do like a half hour show every week mm-hmm. out of it. It was a lot a of great drunk idea. people coming from the bar. Yeah, and I think it was based hey, on uh, Big City Ken was probably on. It. He probably was, and I think it was based on. Uh, I came from didn't the we big city. See, it was based on something in England, like where you could stand on a soapbox and and. That's the soapbox corner. Off yeah. your opinion oh, about sorry. things. I don't remember what it was. I forgot my English accent. Oh, uh, governor. Oh, I've got a problem with two pence for three pennies. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's what you'd always <laughs> see back in the day in jolly old England. And then <clears throat> and then they get to uh, 299 Queen Street West and it's all f***ing sucking. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> last night, a uh, big reason we were a day late. Yes. is because uh, we were busy watching the Raptor game yesterday. And we're going to have Jack Armstrong on three minutes here to talk about it. But very quickly, Dan, your thoughts about uh, Game 5. Well, we were upset but happy. Happy because the Game 6 is on TSN. Yeah, I, we had mixed feelings, and we can reveal that now. I think I felt even stronger about it. You were fine with them winning, and I would have been obviously fine with them winning last night. It would have been an amazing moment. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I really want this moment to be on TSN. That's right. I've become a company guy and Then we now. can make commercial after commercial. You know where you saw it. You know where champions and champions live here. Isn't that our uh, slogan? I thought we were Canada's sports leader. I think that's actually long gone, and we are the only ones who keep that going. But it's the best slogan ever. I don't know why we would have gotten yeah. rid of it, but I think it is champions live here. Because we have... All the golf uh, majors, all the know. tennis majors. We have for the World Cup and all those. Let me things. look this up. TSN champions live I here? I think so. I think that's what it is now. I could be wrong. TSN revolve around sport. Oh, that's no, the other. that's the other guys. No, it's uh, <laughs> thirst for sport, isn't it? <laughs> Searching for sport. First of all, the fact that they say sport. We live sport. The fact that they say sport, something you'd say in Europe and not North America, just goes to show that whoever came up with that campaign for the SPAC really just didn't know what the f*** they were talking about. I did the... Oh, TSN introduces Champions Live Here positioning. There you go. February 11th, 2016. Okay, so we were gone, and then we came back, and the Champions Live Here. That's why we're so... We're still all in on Canada's sports leader. And I was told last week at the CTV Upfront presentation... But TSN is still the number one specialty channel in Canada, period. Okay. Number one in Canada. So that would mean we're still Canada's sports leader. So I'm still going with that. Now describe the upfront because this is where CTV, they roll out all their new shows. Tell us the new hits we're going to be watching on CTV. So yeah, it's, it's a huge deal, Dan. Uh, Rogers canceled theirs this year, so things not going good over there. But CTV <laughs> still had theirs and they filled the Sony Center, which is like a 3,000 seat venue. So we're going to have our Toronto podcast for sure. You betcha we will. And uh, so that was full. And they invite uh, advertisers, companies, representatives of brands and such to come and watch the presentation of CTV's fall lineup. Um, and the president of Bell Media gets up and talks. So this year, Arkells actually performed right off the top. And I That's was wondering, big. I should ask Max, like, what did you guys get paid to perform one song? That's my question. Up? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we'll ask him. We'll find out. He won't tell yeah, us. Yeah, because we're going to the Arkells concert because uh, we're going to the Argos home opener and then the Arkells. Yeah, that's uh, our that's, uh, first ever Sports Center with Jane Dan crew outing. Yeah, and Tim uh, and Tim will be like everyone's dad. Okay, you've had enough. Tim, this is my first beer. That's enough! Yeah, Tim is definitely going to be slapping your wrists when you go for beer number 12. Uh, do we already have Jack on the line? Jack's okay, on the line. Jack's on the line. We did, you're going to have to tell us about the, the hit shows coming to see. I will, absolutely. But I'm thrilled that we could reconnect with Jack. Jack, a couple of weeks ago, we lost you. You were on your way to uh, Bill the Butchers to get a, <laughs> a, a, a roast beef on corn on Weck. And uh, and we missed you. Now we've got you back. How are you, my friend? Jay, Dan, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, great. Uh, day after the Game 5 loss, uh, um, where's your head at about the last couple of minutes of the game? So much debate about timeouts, Jack. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think there's a legitimate debate. Um, you know, when you look at uh, a situation like that and uh, decisions are made and Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And uh, needless to say, there's a lot of discussion about it and whether, in fact, uh, you know, Nick Nurse could have used it, uh, needed to use a timeout with a little bit over three minutes left, and then whether he should have called one, uh, you know, with, on the last play of the game. And those are tough decisions. Um, you know, I look at the fact that in 105 games he's coached as a head coach with the Raptors, regular season, postseason. I think the guy's done a damn good job. He's really good at what he does. And in my opinion, in the playoffs, he's outflanked, outcoached, you know, Steve Clifford and Brett Brown and Mike Budenholzer and, and, and Steve Kerr. And uh, he's got his team a game away from winning a championship. Um, if he had to do it all over again, would he have done the same? I, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. But I think uh, – the, the timeout uh, with three minutes left would be the one I'd question more than the other one. Right. Uh, the last play of the game, sometimes you just, even though it was a dead ball, I think sometimes you don't want to give the other guy the opportunity to to set up their defense. And you already know, I mean, you've spent so much time working on situational uh, plays that you should know what you're doing at this stage. The three-minute one, obviously Steve Kerr only had one timeout left. He was in need of using one and didn't uh, because he didn't. Want, you know, he was at a point. If he uses it, then if, if if they get close, they can't advance the ball. So I think he's rolling the dice. He can hang in there, and the Raptors call the timeout, and obviously that benefited Golden State. So those are again never easy decisions. Uh, and when I look at what Nick has done here, uh, I think overwhelmingly. He's he's made the right moves, and I trust that in Game Six, and if there happens to be a Game Seven, he'll do the same thing. He'll he'll make the right moves. That last play, so Golden State was of the mindset, Kawhi's not getting a shot off no matter what happens. So he had to pass it off. But why do they attempt a three when they didn't need a three? Uh, it's a good point. Uh, I, I think uh, like just run it at the hoop. Just get. Hacked yeah, and go to the no, line. I, I agree. I, I think on the other hand, you got to you got to judge the whistle that night, and uh, I think it was a pretty loose whistle. Yeah, it really there was. was. A, there was a play where Gasol, I thought, got hammered by DeMarcus Cousins late. Now I know they're two big guys and they're colliding, and they just let them play. But I think if it was the other way, it'd be a call. So yeah, the league uh, came out and said it should have been a call. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, so to me, I, I, I felt that that. You know, see, you're kind of as a coach, you're kind of impacted a little bit by what you see and what you feel in terms of what the whistle is. And you say, 
you know, am I better going to the basket and a guy getting clobbered and no call, or am I, do I have a better chance of moving it quick and getting an open shot and maybe even a, a putback for a tip? Uh, a lot of times you win the game on the offensive rebound. You don't necessarily win it on the shot. Uh, so to me, I, I think that they did a good job getting the ball out of Kawhi Leonard's hands. I would do the same thing. Uh, the Raptors during the season, though, did a lot of, uh, they would flatten the floor out and put, you know, four guys along the baseline, and Kawhi Leonard just had the opportunity to go one-on-one. Uh, they didn't do that. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, it, it's one of those deals where give the Warriors credit, and, you know, the, the Raptors have done a pretty good job with their late-game execution. If you remember back to games three and four in, in Oakland and, you know, game five at Game four, game five at Milwaukee, uh, game four at Philadelphia. In pressure moments, uh, they did, and you know, I, I really felt like game five last night reminded me of game two, where the Raptors just didn't shoot well. They looked like they were a step slow. The Warriors played with more urgency, and the Warriors perimeter people just got the job done. I mean, you know, the Raptors got crushed behind the three-point line. Thirty-six yep. points, uh, twenty made threes for Golden State. They got to do a better job defending the line, and they got to make, you know, they're getting good shots. They got to make them. And then the other thing, Jack, that everyone's talking about today is the Kevin Durant injury and the initial reaction of the crowd to the injury. First of all, I'd love to get your take on it for people who didn't see it. There, you know, the initial reaction of the crowd was that some people apparently did cheer when he went down, which caused Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry to immediately gesture to the crowd to, to quiet down because they knew that how the severity of the injury, obviously, and just the fact that that would be disrespectful. But then immediately the crowd sort of turned and started chanting KD, KD. What was your perspective as someone who's actually in the building? Uh, I, you know, I was disappointed in the people that cheered, obviously, but I was on a radio show today in San Francisco, and they asked me about it. And I said, you know, if it was in Detroit or Charlotte, or uh, Houston. How about Philadelphia? <laughs> Philadelphia, any place. Uh, and it's a competitive game. Uh, you, you're going to have the same reaction. And they made a great point, and it was very complimentary of, of the Toronto crowd and Canadians in general. Uh, these guys were like, we're just really disappointed because we hold the Canadians in higher regard than we hold ourselves. Yeah. And to me... I think it's in its own way a tremendous compliment because the scene and the not only this year but the last six years when people watch a playoff game in Toronto or go to a playoff game or come to Toronto, the city, they're just blown away by just how kind and and you know welcoming and and cooperative and friendly everyone is and. Uh, so for that reaction to come from a Toronto crowd kind of took everyone aback a little bit. And, and I kind of understand that a little bit. But, you know, in my opinion, you know, it, it could be any sport. Uh, fans get crazy. Fans get fired up. You have 9 o'clock starts. People have a lot of beverages in them. Mm-hmm. And yep. you look at the, you know, look at the uh, minority owner of the Golden State Warriors the other night, and he's going off on Kyle Lowry, you know, and, and, you know, so people just get a little crazy at games. Sorry, Dan, I was just going to say, and you bring a great point up about that minority owner. I feel like, and we talked about it when it happened, that it was one of those situations, I think, all three of us have been there, where you get in some sort of conflict with someone, and you make a snap decision, and you immediately regret it. 
and and obviously that owner regrets it now because he can't come back to any games anymore. And he was fine, five hundred thousand. But I think for the crowd, you know, you bring up a great point. I mean, that crowd was so amped up, and Toronto sports fans are so used to losing and are so filled with anxiety that just I think this initial reaction was like, oh, this is the break we need. You know, this guy came in and he played good minutes for them. KD played good minutes, and for he them. played great. He yeah. had eleven points. And and so for him to go down, it's sort of your initial reaction is like, okay, like James Duthie said when he when Katie went down, his initial reaction was, I think we're going to win this game. Yeah, and 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 that's the hurt now. The, the fact that you don't win it and you're up six with three to go, you know, you feel like, oh my goodness, is this the uh, is this the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Bruins, or uh, you know, you, yeah. things start things start flying through your head. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, so it, you know, a lot of those things happen to fans and they and they so i think as crazy as this sounds the best thing that po- could possibly happen to the raptors is to get on a plane and fly for five hours and just clear their heads a little bit of it and get ready for a ball game on thursday um uh, and again you you look at you lose by one you don't play well i mean i don't think they defended as well as they're capable of and they've been great defensively they definitely didn't shoot the ball as well their turnovers even though they were plus three in the turnover category, which is, again, another good sign, the turnovers they committed destroyed them. Uh, the Warriors got 20 points off 13 Raptor turnovers. So, you know, they got to they gotta even be better than that. And, and last but not least, you know, I, I just look at, at the Raptors, uh, you know, in general in this series, and they played really well. And, again, game two and game five, they've had stretches, though, where they haven't. And against a team like this, even though they're not 100%, uh, you know, they still make you pay. And, you know, if you're a Raptor fan, you say, hey, wait a minute, if KD doesn't play, that's 11 points. Uh, where did Gold- where's Golden State get that? Even on a night that you're not very good. So I think you go in there and you say, wait a minute, we're 3-0 this year in Oracle Arena. Uh, you, know, you, you, you're, you're, you know, you've played really well against the Warriors all year. You're up 3-2. And, you know, you, you, you still got two chances to get one, and uh, I still like their chances. Um, just quickly, my take on the Kevin Durant thing, because I was talking about with the guys in the uh, newsroom. I compare it to, say the Leafs are playing the Bruins, someone nails Brad Marchand, he goes down, place goes nuts. You don't immediately know someone's hurt. So I give the fans the benefit of the doubt for five seconds until you know. Anyway, um, the comparison to hockey... We haven't seen it in this series because every it annoys the hell out of me that everything that happens in Canada gets compared to hockey. Like we had the hockey hole at the RBC uh, Canadian Open, and then Fred Van Vliet loses half a tooth, and they're like, do you feel Canadian like a hockey player? I think this series, we're finally seeing less and less of that, finally, because all that stuff annoys the hell out of me, always being compared to a hockey player. Anything. I had to laugh last night, though. It was really cool, though. Matt Bonner and Wayne Gretzky were in the building. I'm not sure if you know this. Oh, story. yeah, we saw it. We, well, but we saw them. Matt Bonner is married to a Canadian girl, and when he took his citizenship test, um, he said there were a few times he wasn't sure what the answer was. He says, so I guess he goes, my, my, my opinion is, anytime I'm not sure, you just write in Wayne Gretzky. He's the answer to everything Canadian. So, so when I saw Wayne Gretzky sitting there, I saw that bottom. It's a really good joke. Uh, but, uh, you know, and obviously uh, the great one is, is Canadian royalty. I mean, he is. Uh, oh, yeah. He is absolutely, 
he is the man. And uh, but I, I think basketball is creating its own uh, seat at the big boy table exactly. now, exactly, absolutely, uh, which I think is great. And I think it's a reflection of uh, how diverse and how the new Canada is forming. And uh, those folks come, and you know, the, the big worldwide sports are are soccer and basketball, and uh, so a lot of times they connect with those sports quicker and and takes a little time to to learn the intricacies and the beauty of hockey but it all comes together and believe me if you know if the Leafs are playing uh you know in in the finals next year you're going to have all those same people out there rooting for them and I which I think is great and I think it's as much if not more a celebration of Canada and what Canada stands for and I'm an American working here and I think Canada represents so many cool things that the world can learn from and uh you know so I I when I, as much as I see Raptor jerseys and we the North, I see Canadian flags. And again, I think it's a, it's like the Olympics. I was laughing, uh, not laughing, but in my in, within myself uh, before Game Six against Milwaukee, and the entire crowd singing "O Canada." And even last night, I'm I'm saying to myself, that's I don't care who you are, that's intimidating. This feels like the Olympics here. This feels like. You know, you are definitely, you know, a big soccer match in Mexico yeah, City or whatever. Right. You know, you feel like, man, this, this is going to be tough tonight. We got we got some heavy lifting and, to do, which is I'm, great. I'm glad you brought up the Olympics. That's the only comparison I have because if you had any other Canadian NHL team playing, you aren't having viewing parties in Saskatoon, oh, in man. Halifax, in Vancouver, in Mississauga, in Winnipeg. You aren't having that. With the Raptors, you're having that because the entire country is cheering for one team. So... The NBA, having seen that, they must be salivating. They love it. They love it. And, and they love it because uh, it's a first, I mean, obviously, uh, MLSC, the Raptors, are a first-class organization, and they see the power of, uh, you know, the two big television networks and radio networks, and uh, they, they see the, the, the reach that it has and the ability to craft the message. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're business people. But they also see the competitive element and the basketball element of it. And the people with the Warriors are blown away by it and love it. And, you know, it's all about growing the game. And, and I, I just think that there's so many little boys and little girls right now that are getting turned on to basketball yeah. that we're going to see years later. Oh, man. You know, there could be a kid that ended up being uh, Sidney Crosby yep. that ends up being a great point guard in the NBA instead of being a, a tremendous hockey player. Well, you know, you well, just don't Jack, know. Don't you think, you know, you think of the Vince effect, everybody talks about it, and and the fact that the Andrew Wiggins and the R.J. Barretts and Jamal Murrays of the world were kids who watched Vince and were fascinated by Vince. But that's one player. So now you think of the generation coming up now, they're watching this team make this incredible run. I'm so intrigued to see the players that are coming down the line for Canada and, in 15, and 20 years. When parents see the cost compared to everything else, they're like, what, we got to buy a ball? That's it? <laughs> you know, and here's the other thing, which I think helps our sport, and, and it's not just hockey, it's football, you know, the concern with headshots, yep. you yeah, know, the concern true. with concussions. And I, 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 my kids are, are past that age now, and they all play different sports, but uh, I think parents talking to younger parents uh, and with their kids, a lot of them are saying to me, Hey, I love football and I love hockey. I'm just concerned with my son playing uh, that sport, uh, and and even with young ladies, you know. And and uh, 
So, like, where is the safer place to go? And, again, it's not a knock on those sports. It's just a reality and a challenge that those sports have to try to overcome and manage as best as possible. But I definitely think that uh, that element has helped us as well. It's got to be the lowest amount of concussions in team sports because there's concussions in soccer from head and the ball. Correct. Yeah, maybe, yeah, no, maybe them insane. in baseball. Maybe them. In baseball. Yeah, that yeah. Baseball. No, it, 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 you know it's a relatively safe sport. I mean, there's risk in anything. I mean, I played basketball and I got two concussions when I was young. But I mean, it, it's it happens a lot. You know, you saw what happened to Fred Van Vliet. That's normally when it happens. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. just an inadvertent elbow on a rebound. But I mean, to me, it's it's a it's a great sport. It's a worldwide sport. I think it reflects. Uh, the cultural mosaic that is Toronto, Southern Ontario, and the New Canada. And I think, you know, they've done a good job. And I'll tell you this to you. I think the ratings, as much as they're great, are even greater than they appear because if you've got 20,000 people in Mississauga, I don't know what that registers <laughs> at. Does that register as one TV yeah, or 20,000 people? I think it does. Uh, yes. yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think it registers, period, and it should. You know, that's always been the argument, you know. So to me, I, I think, you know, and Paul Graham, the uh, TSN executive guru, uh, when, when, when he was with our Raptors TV producer many years ago, he said, Jack, always remember this about Can- Canadian television. He goes, you know, you have, well, you have 36, 37 million people in Canada. He says, let's say there's 30, 360 million or whatever there is in the United States. He goes, everything you do with Canadian television, just times it by 10. Yeah. And then you get a truer reflection of pound for pound what the comparison is. And if you look at that right now, there is no U.S. basketball broadcast drawing 48, 50% of the yeah. television sets in, in the United States. It never happened. No. And, and no team in America for the NBA has viewing parties across the country. Zero. Yeah. And, this and, has never been seen before. And I always felt, I mean, I've been with the Raptors 21 years now, and I always felt this was a sleeping giant. All it needed was the right people to run it properly, and they now, they now have that. And we're the only team in the league with 82 games on national TV. We're the only team in the league that, after the first round of the playoffs, can still broadcast the games uh, versus what uh, ESPN slash ABC and Turner uh, are able to do for, on, on the United States side. So we're able to still give it uh, you know, a, a perspective and a voice and a look that's uh, a little bit more towards uh, what the Raptor fan wants to see or hear. And at the same time, since it's national, we have to be uh, completely objective and fair to both sides. Yeah, we always put it on your guys' call. Seriously, every single time. And Jack, we got you fooled. Uh, Jack, I gotta <laughs> say, you, you know, people love you so much, uh, and people love Leo. But I think people are very excited about Thursday because you're going to be on the call on TSN with Matt Devlin when the Raptors win the NBA title at the final ever game at Oracle Arena, when they pull that off. You're going to be the guy making that call. How exciting is that? Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. And I was, you know, I did the game on TSN radio uh, last night, and I was excited to do that. It was a thrill. Uh, and, you know, whatever happens, if it doesn't happen Thursday, whatever I'm assigned on Sunday, I'll be there with a smile on my face ready to go. And uh, it's just, it, it's, it's an exciting thing. And, again, I, I just... I, I'm so, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict the future, but I just, I'm so happy for our fans. I'm so happy for the sport uh, because I just, it's something, you know, what's vision? Seeing the end product before you start the journey. And, 
you know, the journey's been great, but this is, this is what the vision has always been, like that people finally see it and feel it and play it and, and learn it and know it and love it. And I, all those things are happening. Jack, it's amazing to talk to you. Uh, very safe travels to the Bay Area, and uh, we'll talk to you again really soon. Guys, my pleasure, and I'm sure we'll be chatting Thursday night. Can't wait. Hello! (laughs) Get that garbage out of here. (laughs) Thanks, Jack. See you, guys. See ya. How many times does he get that walking down the street? Oh, so many times. uh, Um, Texting with uh, our good buddy Gurdeep, um, I was uh, seeing what he was up to this weekend, and he's like, oh, I'm actually out in San Francisco, going to be going to the uh, cover the Raptors Mm -hmm. game. And he says, so I don't know the home. If the Raptors win, Mm -hmm. the NBA doesn't fly us home, so we have to find our own way. But if... The Raptors lose, then we fly home like uh, with the the rest of the media. Oh, so. so we might not. And for folks who are listening to us in different parts of the country, Gurdip Alawalia was a TSN anchor. Now he's CP24 morning anchor, Big which is star. a twenty four hour Toronto uh, news station, which is really really popular. It's a really popular morning show, so that's why he's out there covering that. But um, we may never see him again. Yes, yeah, so we so Raps see... win, and the NBA says go f- yourselves. Yeah, 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 kind of because really. We're screwing them ratings-wise down there, <laughs> big time. And uh, I don't really give a Okay, so let's get back to um, the CTV up, the up front. front. So yep. uh, is Jan coming back? It is coming back. At young Jan as well? No young Jan, but oh. Jan is coming back. Um, what are some of the other things? Okay, all, I saw there was one called Stump Town. I was about a detective with Colby Smulders, who's a Skunk Canadian. Skunk or Stump? Stump Town. Oh. Stumptown, oh, isn't that a kind of coffee? Well, and that's because it, that coffee is from Portland, and Portland is Stumptown. And this uh, show takes place in Portland. Okay, so let me guess the premise is, who cut this tree down? Yeah, you'd And then think they investigate a, the stumps. Right, right. So sort of, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good they're premise, lumber, actually. They're lumberjack investigators. They're lumberjack investigators. That's actually a good premise. That's something that they should have gone with. I think it's actually based on a graphic novel. i got to be honest, I skipped out early. What I love <laughs> about having a, a small... Infant. At least you went. I didn't go. Uh, I, you have an infant, Dan, and I can immediately text like Stu Johnston, the, the Bell Media executive who's in charge of our show, and say, "I got to get back. Uh, my mother-in-law's got to leave. Got to go to back to Brampton." My mother-in-law would have stayed, but she really would like. Did to you go give back. him the info which you said you would? You said I, uh, which I did. I had to get my girls from school. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, no, he you knows. relay that info. He knows. Yeah, that's the thing. We do. Did have you already just saying it? No, I didn't give it. Oh, God, so Stu's mad at me now. Yeah, he's probably pretty pissed. Yeah. Okay. Well, this will cheer you up. Because he goes around with a checklist, I okay? I see Jay's. Attendance. Yeah, yeah. He, he takes attendance. I'm kidding. He wouldn't do that. No, nah, he wouldn't bother. The, what's very weird, though, Dan, is that, okay, and they don't ask us to come do this, and maybe we should be offended or maybe we should be thrilled, but they invite all the stars of the new shows as well as the stars of CTV shows like The Social and eTalk just to come up on stage for a second. We went once when we came back. Yeah. And then they were like, never again. <laughs> never invite them again. Never put them on stage. Because we went too long. People got mad. Well, and I made a little, littlest hobo joke that I said I wouldn't make. And, <laughs> um, but they just have them come up and stand on stage. And it's just awkward. Like, they're just standing there. And so everyone's like, all right, applaud? I don't know what to do. It's just And awkward. everyone's just sitting there saying, when's the booze? Yeah, exactly. But I will say, they, to their credit, and Randy Lennox and Stu Johnston, the guys who run this company, deserve a lot of credit. They heard us say it's too long. And they deliberately tried to cut a half hour out of the presentation this year. So they sped everything up. The problem is it was almost too fast. You know, it was like you could see people reading prompter like at two times the speed that they normally would. But why don't they have 
like a Jays game. People walking out with drinks and up and down the aisle. Why not? I think it would, they don't. They want people focused on the stage. I think they'd be distracted. Dan, here's the good news. Got a got a phone call. Okay. I got two phone calls uh, it's on my answering machine. I still have an answering machine, even though I don't have a landline. And uh, I think you're going to love these because we haven't heard from this guy for, for a while. And he's someone that you and I both really love and admire. It's Toronto Blue Jays play-by-play man slash color analyst when Dan Schulman is there, Buck Martinez. Oh, Buck. Okay. Uh, Buck just wanted to, to give us a shout and give us an update. Thank you very much. The Blue Jays have lost 28 of their last 37 ball games, and it's been a rough patch, no question about it. And Charlie Montoya's got a big challenge ahead of him in the rest of the season as he tries to right the ship and develop those young players. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough couple of months for the Blue Jays and their fans. Now, tonight they're taking on the Baltimore Orioles, and Baltimore is even worse than the Blue Jays somehow. They've only won 20 games this season. So it's going to be a tough go here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully the more fans will come out to the ball. Yeah. Well, well, uh, somehow I lost you there. <laughs> Sorry about that, Buck. Uh, well, I got another call from Buck. Here's oh, okay. this one. Well, more bad news for Aaron Sanchez is he was removed from today's ball game in the fifth inning with a cracked fingernail. Now, he needs to figure something out here. This is a cracked fingernail, and the blisters keep popping up over the last couple of seasons, and they're hurting his career and the Blue Jays. Now, I remember Jorge Posada and Moise Alou, they used to urinate on their hands, and it worked quite well for them as it developed a callus and toughen up those fingers, and you can just urinate on your hands in the shower. It's not really a big deal, so maybe that might be something that Sanchez uh, could consider. Uh, he's got to figure something out and do something different. Well, we back on the air tomorrow as the Blue Jays take on the Rays in game two. <laughs> I miss Buck. Uh, Buck, good guy. Nice of him to call. Yeah. Nice of him to call. Um, and you have another uh, something else. I do. I have a song to play for us um, before we uh, finish up here. Wanted to say um, thanks to the Vodcal people. Oh, yeah. Uh, they listened to the podcast. I forgot to bring in the letter. You you have to explain very quickly. Vodcal, it's made from the after product of milk, and it's a vodka that I found at the Brooklyn Fair. The gentleman, um, he sent me a direct message after hearing the podcast. He said, I was going to say something. I saw you and your wife. I said... Uh, that wasn't my wife. That was my buddy's girlfriend. And he's like, okay, well. We're having sex. <laughs> and, he's, and he said, uh, would you like some uh, vodka? So um, I said, uh, free booze? Yeah. Yeah, So of he sent me a bottle of that. So thanks to them. And uh, thanks to uh, Team Canada Soccer, who sent us uh, yes. soccer jerseys. Yeah, very nice. And, and I finally unwrapped that today. Very, it came in like a beautiful, a beautiful tube. Uh, the yeah. gentleman, uh, we talked about this on our uh, television program. Um, my daughters and I, we were in the backyard, and then when one, one daughter was in the house, she comes running, and she's like, there's someone in our house! <laughs> and I, I walk out front, like, what? The, the delivery guy just walked in the house. He's like, I tried every door! I'm like, well, there's a doorbell there. Yeah, why like, wouldn't he ring the doorbell? I guess maybe he did. It's hooked up to my phone. It's one of those stupid ring things. Uh, okay. And I didn't have my phone on me. So anyway, I'm like, and I, I was a bit standoffish. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> he's like, I've got a delivery. I'm didn't like, he have like a UPS thing on? or, or I thought he Canada was going to try to sell me on something. Oh, I see. Because he had a clipboard. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I don't want to join a religion like, today. I just right. left one. No, exactly. Yeah, we're still shopping <laughs> religions right now. <laughs> but so, so this is something that I believe your daughters uh, discovered. Yeah. Um, my daughters are big fans of the Spotify when we're driving around. 
I always we exchange. I play a song, then my oldest plays a song, then my youngest. Wow, that's Whenever more my, than I get. When my youngest plays a song, it's songs like this, and this is where I discovered this, and I sent it to you and Stoff, and um, oh, we Im- immediately insisted this song be played on the podcast. Okay, this is uh, this one's dedicated to Stoff. May he rest in peace. There's nothing I can do. I always pee when I poo. When I'm pushing out a poo. A little pee comes out too. When I'm letting out my fecal matter, that's when I get a jealous bladder. Saying if the bowel's going to get a turn, I should also be allowed to pass some urine. I pee when I poop, but not the other way around. That's right, when I'm going pee, the desire to poop does not occur to me. The closest I get when the pee flow starts is once in a while I let out a fart. There's nothing I can do. I always pee when I poo. Pushing out the poo, a little pee comes out too. I pee when I poop, but not the other way. I pee when I poop, but not the other way. I pee when I poop, but not the other way around. Okay, it goes on for a bit more. Great too. Now you haven't heard this one. Um, and that's true. When you're peeing, you never are like, oh god, I gotta turn around and. <laughs> you ready? You ready for this one? Yeah. Sounds like Modest Mouse. In the urinal. Isn't that what the toilet's for? The urinal's for urine, hence the name. At least it isn't in the sink. At least it isn't in the sink. At least it isn't in the sink. Whoever did it had some decency. At least it isn't in the sink. At least it isn't in the sink. At least it isn't. So you get the gist of that one. Yeah, yeah. No, that really sounds like Modest Mouse. Um, so the other songs from this. Uh, so this is album by the Toilet Bowl Cleaners. This came out in 2013. Hmm. Uh, Poop Big Clouds. Name. Yeah. Uh, Randy Lidkey poops 11 times a day. <laughs> <laughs> I, we got to hear that. Nice jazz solo. Kick it off. Randy Lidke poops 11 times a day. 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 11 times, 11 times, 11 times a day. Okay. Yeah. Poor, wonderful Randy Lickie's a real person. I'd like to have been in the sessions <laughs> to record this album. Uh, next one is Poop Sneeze. I wipe my nose with poop. Okay. Um, Bristol Stool Chart. Uh, I, I want stomach flu because I love to poo. <laughs> <laughs> What's this one? Um... Tell me if I have a booger on my nose. Just say, please. Okay, that one has nothing to do with poo. Uh, poop in the urinal. Poop into a wormhole. It's a lot of fun to wipe your bum. Yeah. Zero gravity poop. Astronaut poop song. Uh, I'm going to warm up the toilet seat for you. 
So this is like a double album. <laughs> poop, There's a lot of tracks. Poop in my fingernails. I've heard that one. Uh, Rodeo Ruby loves to poop. Oh, so Ruby, that's why Ruby liked this, because she was like, oh, this is about me. Uh, poop from my pee hole, pee from my, I guess. No, oh, that's just getting silly. <laughs> I didn't pee on my tie. The poop hat song, and that's it. When's album two? <laughs> They're really working on it for a long time. 2013. Uh, I want to see if they've got a discography. I think that's their only release. Oh. Yeah, that's the only one. We'll release it in 2013. The toilet bowl cleaners. You thought we ran out of poop song ideas. You were wrong. No, no, they definitely have a lot of different ideas. Some so there you go. That's that's good for the road well, trip there you for go. the kids. Yeah. So if you're you're heading out on the road with the kids, maybe going uh, going camping this year. Why don't you put on the toilet? So bowl I'll be listening to that in the RV. Yeah. Oh, the RV. What a podcast. What a podcast that was. Man, that was fun. Man, we had a great time. And uh, uh, sincere thanks to Jack Armstrong for, I mean, he's obviously extremely busy right now, and he took some time to, to talk to us about Game 5 and upcoming Game 6, where I have guaranteed that the Raptors will win and win the NBA title on now, the road. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. We've got to go pr- convince producer Tim not to lead the show with Blue Jays Orioles. Yeah, that's right. So that's what we're going to go do now, and uh, we will talk to you next week after the Raps have won the title. Don't forget uh, Jane Dan Podcast Tour hitting yes. Western Canada. Um, one venue is eighty-seven percent sold. Uh, a couple others are sixty percent, and then the others are. Well, we still need some more. Again, <laughs> think of a place where riots took place after a Game Seven loss, and uh, you'll know that the. That place needs to get out and buy some tickets because we want to come and we want to entertain the masses. Eventbrite.ca. Eventbrite, all one word, .ca. That's where you find your tickets. The J&M Podcast Tour celebrating 10 years. That's why we're doing the tour. In fact, did we pass? We passed it. We passed the 10-year anniversary because it was June 1st. Yep. We did it. There you go. So we passed an anniversary and didn't even acknowledge it. No, we just did. Perfect. That's very us. See ya. See you next uh, week. Poop. They're going home.
This is the Jay and Dan Podcast.